You're listening to Law and Gospel Rumination Tuesday on this December the 1st in the year of our Lord 2020. And I'm Tom Baker with Mark Smith. We're going to take a look at a hymn and we want you to listen to it a little bit. It's entitled On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. It was written by Charles Coffin, C-O-F-F-I-N. He was born in 1676. He was educated at the University of Paris. He, in fact, he became the rector of the University of Paris in 1718, died in 1749. He's best known for his Latin poetry and for using that gift in composing hymns. And did he do a lot of hymns? He worked on revising the hymns of the 1680 Harley Breviary, including a hundred hymns of his own and 97 by other authors. In fact, a complete two volume edition of Coffin's works was published in 1775 uh, the two hymns we have in the hymnal we use are The Advent of Our King and On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. The translator is kind of anonymous. We really don't know who it was. But there was one who altered it, Michael Pratorius. And he was born in 1571 near Eisenach and was a colleague with Johann Walter, who was the first cantor of the Lutheran Church. In 1586, he became organist at the Church of St. Mary, and that was in Frankfurt. He established himself as the leading composer in Germany at the time, and is best known for a wonderful collection that consisted of 1,000 244 chorale settings from simple can, cant, well, canticle style settings to elaborate polychoral settings. He was born one year after the death of Johann Walter and became his true successor. So that's kind of the background for On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. And it is a hymn that I know I've used, Tom Baker. And how about you, Mark Smith? Have you used oh, this the, hymn? 
All the time. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Uh, every Advent we use this. It's 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 a favorite Advent hymn of mine. It now it's it's sung is to a little, the hymn for the second Sunday in Advent. Right, and we use a little bit different melody. It's a, the melody we use in our hymnal is called Puer Nobis, which I I think that's Latin for a child for us. Okay, but that, the, but that's... the one that was uh, the one that you played is pretty too. Yes, yeah, I could have played the other one also. Um... But uh, this one, if you look at the bottom of our page, is the one by Charles Coffin and adapted by Michael Pretorius. So, without further ado, it's five verses long. There's actually a verse that is omitted. It's uh, the second stanza normally. Uh, let, Let me read that. Even now the air, the sea, the land, feel that their maker is at hand. The very elements rejoice and welcome him with cheerful voice. So that's kind of omitted. So we'll start with the first stanza, if you would read that. Okay. On Jordan's bank, the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awaken, oh no, awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. Yes, so this is talking about the preparation. Uh, Advent is not only talking about preparing for the birth of Christ, but in my sermon, I mentioned a whole bunch of Advents. You've got the Advent when he comes into your heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the Advent that this is going to be talking about on the last day. But my question in the sermon is, when has Jesus come for you? And my sermon was all about that every day Jesus comes to you because he keeps his promises. And his promises are definitely part of the gospel. So what was the purpose of John the Baptist? He was to prepare the people of Israel for their Savior. He was the forerunner, the preparer. How do you prepare for Jesus? Well, as he says, uh, he he says, awake. Uh, Excuse me. Cleanse yourself from sin, or at least uh, prepare your hearts for the Savior to enter in. And, of course, how can we prepare without his help, without the help of the Holy Spirit, of course? But that preparation, you know, in regard to law and gospel, is what part? That is the, that is the, the preparation of repentance. Yes. So it's part of the... Law. Law. Preaching of the law. Which he really talks about more in verse 2. I'll read that. Then cleansed be every life from sin. Make straight the way for God within. And let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. Now, today's society... 
people really don't want Christ to enter there because they really don't believe in him. But the reason for that is they don't realize that he provides the treatment for their worst problem, which is their sin that has created a barrier between themselves and God the Father. So the way a doctor prepares someone for treatment is they first do a diagnosis. And that's how I look at John the baptizer. If you remember from the text, he goes through what soldiers need to do and others need to be aware of so that they do not sin, repent of their sin, recognize the need for a savior. And that's when they hear the good news of the gospel that really comforts them. Okay, Tom, let me ask you this. Let's say you've got somebody that's been baptized. Christ has already entered, of course. The Holy Spirit has already made his home in that person, made that person his temple. Uh, what would what would you say, what would you tell that person if you say, well, Christ has already entered me. He's already there. What, how does this hymn apply to me? What That's a really good question, because for this Advent series, I'm going to be doing the sacrament of baptism from Luther's small catechism and explaining the need for that. It's kind of like I have a child and I fed them on Tuesday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Then on Wednesday, they're saying I'm hungry. And I said, oh, I fed you yesterday. You already have eaten. Well, that's the same with baptism. Baptism needs to be remembered as the time when God took away your sins and gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's like the Lord's Supper. What does Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. Exactly. So it's not that parents need to train their children in showing love to them, they instead treat their children in such a way that the love is obvious. And that's what's important with baptism, being baptized. And the translation is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, it really is into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because that's an adoption. So just like you would remind a child who's adopted that you were the parents who adopted them, uh, they're not going to say, well, you told me that uh, last Christmas. No, it's something that we keep repeating so that they can be assured that we are your parents and you are our child. Yeah, it's, it's really important, I think, for, for us to, to return daily, or, or at least often, uh, to the promises of our baptism. Luther made this point, you know, when he, when he suggested how to begin devotion. You begin devotion with the sign of the cross, reminding yourself of your baptism, returning to the promises of your baptism, even with, even with sins and uh, your consciousness of sin weighing down upon you. You always want to return to the promise of the baptism. How does doing the sign of the cross remind you of your baptism? Well, you know, part of the baptism is making, uh, uh, receive the sign of the cross both upon the forehead and upon the heart in token of the, the fact that Christ has redeemed you. Yes. 
because Romans 6 really explains that. Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead uh, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Exactly, right. So it's very important to remind people, and that's what the Advent series I'm going to be preaching on on Wednesdays and Thursday nights that I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm still preaching to four congregation and Two of them will be on Wednesday night, and two of them are going to be on Thursday. So we're looking forward to that, and I'm putting together a series to help them understand their baptism. Yeah, Advent's a good time for said, that. I've uh, I've done that very same thing myself uh, during Advent, uh, a, a series on baptism, how God enters us through holy baptism. Wow. Well, your sermons always are good, so send them to me. Well, I won't have to write one. all righty stanza three we hail thee as our savior lord our refuge and our great reward without thy grace we waste away like flowers that wither and decay now that's actually a quote from hebrews chapter one verse two It's uh, the Lord through his prophets and in these last days by his son. And it says, without whom grace we waste away. What does that mean that you waste away? Well, you know, it's always, it's also from Isaiah, Isaiah 40, uh, that talks about uh, it, it, the grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord flows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. In fact, uh, that's a good point to make because that's the reading for this Sunday. That's right. It's Isaiah also 40. the reading. It's also the reading upon which this uh, this hymn is based too. Yes. Okay, you got nothing else to say, all righty. Oh, me? <laughs> I was waiting for you, Tom. <laughs> no. Well, that's oh, I was going to I was going to ask you. You know, it does say in that third verse it says for we hail thee as our savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Now, that should uh, that should set bells and alarms ringing. Re- he's our reward? That sounds yes. a little bit but you know that's uh, that's the word that is used in that same passage uh, in that same passage from Isaiah. Um, oh, let's see. Let me find. Yeah, Isaiah forty verse ten. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. You know. Uh, uh, he, he he rewards us with blessings. Yes, he rewards he w- rewards our faith. Well, remember really, from the cross, he receives therefore uh, the crown of righteousness, and that's the reward we receive in baptism, because 
According to Peter in Pentecost, there were two things. Number one, you received the gift of the forgiveness of sins, and you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and right. that's the reward of the robe of righteousness. And so we would say a reward is usually something we earn, but it's actually something that Jesus earned, and then he transfers it over to us. That's right. Exactly. I kind of like to think of it as at the Olympics. The, The fellow wins the race, he gets the gold, and then he gives it to his best friend. And, um, yeah, we, I was talking to a listener about this who uh, uh, knows quite a bit about hockey. And uh, he was involved with the hockey team. And when they won, he got the ring. But he told me that they rarely wear the ring in public. Because oh, really? People, well, people are trying to steal it. Well, I imagine so. Yeah, you have to be careful where you wear it. So a lot but- of times it's kept in a safe. But when they die, it goes to a relative or someone else who could then sell it. And that's what happens with us. When Jesus dies on the cross and he has that robe of righteousness, his perfect obedience, that's transferred over to us in our baptism through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he's taken our sins upon himself, taken those sins with him to the cross and suffered and atoned for him. And in exchange, he gives us his righteousness. You see, you can't get to heaven without being totally righteous in the sight of God. That's right. It it doesn't matter what you see, because all you can see are your sins. And that's why the gift of righteousness is an invisible gift occasionally people do do fruit of the Holy Spirit, which with proper motivation is a gift from God and considered a good work. But by and large, we're much more aware of our sinful condition. So that's why that robe of righteousness is so important. Yeah, in fact, even our works of righteousness, even our even our good works, as as well as we try to do them, are often like filthy rags apart from Christ. It's only in Christ that they're acceptable. Yes, because they often have motivation that is not Christocentric, or you're doing it out of self-service to yourself. And a lot of times you even boast of your good works. Yeah. And that, of course, makes them works of the flesh rather than the works of the spirit. Yeah. So, thanks be to God that we're not, we're not saved because of our own works. We're, we're saved because of his great work, his atoning death and, and, and uh, his resurrection. Yes. As you often bring up the difference between every religion and Christianity, every religion is a do religion. Christianity is a done faith. Good point. He's All right. done it. Stanza four, please. Lay on the sick thy healing hand, and make the fallen strong to stand. Show us the glory of thy face, till beauty springs in every place. Now, that's actually a reference to Psalm 144, verse 7. Stretch out your hand from on high, 
rescue me and deliver me. Now, last week, we had read from Isaiah 64 that talks about our sin and are we going to be saved, whereas this week, it's much more gospel-oriented, Isaiah chapter 40, because it says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. That be referring to Jesus. And you had already quoted, Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him, and will tend his flock like a shepherd, and gather the lambs in his arms. If that doesn't remind you of Luke 15 and the parable of the lost sheep. Yeah, and and the good shepherd, right? Exactly. So we see the glory of his face when we hear the word of God. And that's why it's so important that every sermon needs to be based on God's inerrant and inspired word. All right, stanza five. Stanza five. And this is a, a doxological verse. It's got a triangle in front of it, which means that you stand for it. All praise, eternal Son, to thee, whose advent sets thy people free, whom with the Father we adore, and Holy Spirit evermore. Yes, the doxological is that each of the persons of the Trinity is mentioned. And uh, the eternal son is at the beginning, whom with the Father we adore, and Holy Spirit evermore. Now, that's referring to our freedom we have in Christ. I'm doing adult instruction right now at two of the churches. And what I'm seeing, these are people who are not Lutheran or are not Lutheran. And they say the burden is being lifted from us that we have to obey the law in order to be saved because we're unable to do that. So this is really good news, this final verse. Yeah, it really is. I remember instructing a a couple myself, and uh, they came— well, they were coming from the uh, the Eastern Orthodox faith, and, and they— I remember them saying to me, you know, we've never heard this before, Right. that uh, the, the grace of God, that Christ has done it all, and that uh, it's, it's purely by grace. It's a gift, a free gift from God, not one that we have to earn or deserve. Yes, the Bible verse is John eight thirty six. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But those who are unbelievers, the Pharisees, they argue with Jesus, said, we are never been in bondage. We are free because we're sons of Abraham. And Jesus says, well, if that's what makes you free, God can make out of these stones sons of Abraham. And they did not understand that they were free from the curse of the law that Jesus had won for them by his uh, impending death on the cross. It truly is. It's wonderful news, especially if, you, if you're living, if you've been living all your life under the law. It's, it's terrific news. It's impossible not to be living your life under the law because that's the way society works. Yeah. You um, study a lot and you go to the next grade. 
you work hard and you get a promotion. Uh, you're really nice to uh, your date and you get married. So everything in the world appears to be by what you do. And so it's very understandable that every religion in the world is a do religion. And it is so exciting for people to hear that Christianity is a done religion because God does everything for your salvation. For us, for us. Yeah, there's a hymn that keeps saying for us, for us all the time. All right, thanks so much, Pastor Smith, in helping us understand on Jordan's back, the Baptist cry and the law and gospel themes in it which we will continue on tomorrow's Law and Gospel as we examine another evening lecture by C.F.W. Walther. That's on Wednesday. I'm Tom Baker. You've heard from Pastor Mark Smith. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.